Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yes, welcome in live. You are listening to your football party here, ready for divisional round action. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Friday night, January the 10th, 2020. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and we're sorry. We are so sorry for giving you three losers right off the bat for playoff weekend last weekend. Uh, getting the last game correct of the weekend, the Seattle win uh, over Philadelphia. That was it. That was all we could muster. We're lucky to get the one. Uh, just a terrible, terrible start to the proceedings to to lose the first three. Uh, all four games decided by one possession. So uh, can't really say there was a definitive one way or another but just the fact that we uh, managed to blow it on all three. Uh, some some of those losses sort of heartbreaking, like you, you figure you had it wrapped up and then certain quarterbacks decide to just uh, lose their minds and play like complete garbage. And, you know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, so no excuses, Jay, but, man, it, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. I know it was a tough week for you because it was a tough week for me. I was hoping you just wouldn't mention it because with all the te- technical difficulties that we had on last week's show, I figured nobody even made it to the pick segment. This is so a dead area to navigate through on the podcast in order to get to our picks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it was, you know, you had to definitely uh, stick with it and, and sort of mine your way into the, the picks portion of the show. So it leads me to the first most important question of the week. Are, are all your bills paid up? Ah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this is one of those, you, you, you're uh, familiar with the uh, with some of the southern weather, having family down here. Yeah. This is uh, we got that tornado weather going on right now. Uh, the, oh. the high the high of the day uh, is 66, and the low is 62. You know, one of those days. Oh yeah, um, it's just and, wet and everything's just yeah, damp. Yeah, yeah, rain all day and and. Yeah, we got those uh, conditions brewing right now. So, yeah, if everything goes down, uh, I, what can I say? Once again, for the second week in a row, we might be uh, in the dark here uh, at, at these particular IMLD studios. All right. Well, we'll see. You're chopping up a little bit, but I've been noticing that's a trend at the beginning of a lot of shows that you sort of break up a little bit, and then it just kind of like smooths out after a few minutes. So uh, nothing to the point where I can't understand what you're saying, and uh, we should be able to make it through here. Uh, yeah, last week was tough. Um, you know, Houston came, came back that, that, that Monday night crew. Uh, oh, 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 booger. Oh, Oh my God. Oh, you know, I, I, oh my God. I mean, Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland make me appreciate Buck and Aikman so much more, man. That's a, 
that's a rough crew. Uh, Tessator was so stupid because he kept talking about, like he had the sequence of events wrong. He had the, because uh, they all, they, tie, they tied everything. They tried to tie everything in this game to the J.J. Watt sack that then but Buffalo then kicked the field goal to, to get to 16. And, and it was a huge turning point. Yeah, but still, Buffalo still got points on the drive. They were going to get a field goal on that drive anyways. Um, it didn't like knock. I think it would have been more if it would knock them out of field goal range or done something along those lines. But it's still like you knew Buffalo was down there. They were going to kick it. They got to 16 nothing. Um, yeah, obviously, if Buffalo would have gotten the touchdown, that would have been a much bigger deal. But the way he was calling the game was he was calling the game like the sack happened after the field goal and he kept calling it in sort of like backwards order, like forgetting about the fact that yeah, they still scored points on that drive. Are, are we still here? Sorry. Don't know what happened there. Like, Buffalo. Did you, did you hear any oh. of that? Yeah, um, it, it only cut off for uh, a couple seconds. Button press. I, somehow my mute button got pressed. You know, I'm all animated when I talk. And uh, <laughs> even when I'm sitting in a show, and, and, and on a radio show, you know, I'm still sitting here and i got the hands moving. I'm doing the whole Al Pimenti thing, a little <laughs> Chicago reference there for people who won't get it, because we love to bring Chicago into our show. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're calling the game sort of in that way where, you know, hey, you know, you still have a two-touchdown with two two-point conversion lead. You should be able with that defense to hang on to it. And uh, it just was just a whole lot of craziness. And you know what? I, I, the thing I took away from that game, I'm not going to crap all over Buffalo. They had a great season. I, the thing I'm going to take away from it was they looked like a team and a coach and a quarterback who just hadn't been there before. Like they just did not know what to do in the moment with the prosperity. And I'm not going to crap all over them for it. We lost the pick, but I think, you know, the arrow is definitely pointing up for that Buffalo squad. So I don't think that there's going to be any shame in the fact that they, they lost this game and they blew it. Uh, They had chances in overtime. There was a very, odd uh, blindside block call that went against Buffalo uh, late in that game in, in the overtime where they were in field goal range and knocked them out. And it just, it's a real, some, some strange things happened there. Um, I think there was some strange, there was some strangeness in a lot of the games. <laughs> oh yeah. Just in general, but you know, Houston still, they, 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 they clamped down. They took care of business Deshaun Watson showed you, especially on that, play when two guys had him dead to rights in the overtime and he somehow sneaks out of there and ends up turning that into about a 40 yard scramble and throw. And yeah, they just completely, uh, they outclassed the bills late and the bills outclassed them early. And you ended up with an overtime game that just didn't go the bills way, but I could, I could crap all over them, but I won't. They just definitely, they definitely need some, offensive more offensive playmakers um i think that's going to go a long way toward towards potentially helping them um down the down the line here and josh allen's just going to need to get more experience 
Now, I know I didn't think you would crap all over them at all. That's your team. That's you've been supporting the the Buffalo Bills for a while now. You've been their their biggest fan. You got the the Bills flag in your your bedroom hanging up <laughs> yeah, on your yeah, bed. That's my fat um, head. Yeah, I got my fat heads and everything. Yeah. Got your project fat head. Uh, no, that sack did. I, I mean, I put an asterisk by it in my notes. It absolutely did feel like the turning point because the Bills were outclassing the Texans that badly the entire game, the entire first half and the the first part of the third quarter. Um, unfortunately for me, it became a very very much uh, a deja vu type of feeling or event because uh, just like. Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts when they uh, were hosting the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and beating the hell out of them in wildcard weekend. And when I had to get up and leave the house at that point where I don't even remember what the score was, was it uh, 20 something to nothing or something like that? Maybe 31 to nothing. Or uh, it, 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 I had to get up to take my wife to the, uh, uh, to the minor medical because she was very sick. And just had no thought, no way the the Colts are going to come back and, and win this game. The Chiefs are just dominating them. Um, very deja vu like uh, feeling because uh, it was before that sack uh, that I had to get up and, and take my wife to dinner. And I got up. Think at that point when I got up, the it was the second half had started, but the Texans had at that point had done literally nothing to make me think they were going to make a comeback and, and win that game. Um, and to, to sit down uh, at, at dinner, it was a long wait. Uh, and so we, you know, sitting there and I, I wasn't keeping up with the game on my phone. I was trying to, uh, you know, look at other things and sort of forget about it and take my mind off it. But the whole time thinking it's over, uh, the, the, that's going to be the first win of the day because the, the bills are outclassing the Texans in every way. And to finally get our seat and sit down and catch a, a glimpse of a TV screen right at the moment that Houston is kicking the field goal to win the game in overtime. And I was like, what? How did, how did they come back and force overtime and, and win the game? But they were playing like shit. The whole team was playing like garbage. How in the world did they come back? I just said, hey, what happened? That's the only thing I could say. How did they come back and – Man, the Buffalo Bills, and and so now I go to the the Twitter for a couple seconds on my phone, uh, w- waiting for dinner to come, and what I actually see for the most part, besides of course the uh, the tearing down and, and destruction of of the the broadcasting crew for some of their shenanigans, but the the second biggest uh, criticisms that I'm seeing is uh, about Josh Allen and some of the decisions that he was making and, and some of the bad plays that he made. And that was equally shocking because everything I saw out of Josh Allen in the first half and the start of their quarter was like great. Like, oh my God, he's he's arrived. This this motherfucker has decided to come up and and play big boy ba- uh, football and you know make it all the plays, catching the the touchdown, running and and throwing and just looking like the uh, a great great athlete. And oh my goodness, he's making all the right moves and he, he looks uh, incredible. And so when I finally got to sit down and watch the, the replay of the game, um, I almost felt bad for him. Like, yeah, some of his some of his decisions were dumb, very much, obviously. And the moment was obviously too much. The momentum starting with Watson, uh, we part, but it wasn't the whole thing. Uh, to your point, but 
uh, once the Houston gets that first touchdown and, and two point conversion to cut the lead in half and, and the, the ball gets rolling uh, in their favor. Um, and now project has to, to make some decisions to keep the ball on his side to keep the, the momentum going for, for the bills and just yak himself and turn the ball over to really, really decisions. Uh, obviously the moment was too much for him, but I think the crew was actually a Harsh and you know, I, I project price You know, I, I'm not exactly his biggest fan, but I thought the way he played as well as he played in the first half, uh, it really the, uh, the first half and the first half of the third quarter, um, he was so good that I think it was a little uh, overboard criticizing his play after that, which was bad, but it wasn't as bad as people were, were making it out to be. I, I actually felt bad for the kid. No, what I noticed was that the offense lost all of its creativity, and you see this, and teams get the lead, and then they start to get really conservative, and Buffalo right. stops taking chances, and that's not going to call, because you know Allen's not out there. He's not calling his plays. So yeah. I, I thought that that's a lot of what the problem was, that the Buffalo offense just completely – everything that they did special in the first half, because they were coming at Houston, it was relentless what they were coming out there with. And they clearly ran that first quarter's worth of plays, that script. They, they, they were script and plays. They ran that to perfection. They had the trick plays. They had some quarterback runs. I did not – what I stopped seeing – late in that game were any designed runs for Josh Allen, where they had plenty of them early in the game. I mean, he ran off one that was on that first drive that was probably a 35 or a 40-yard run that Houston just had no answer for, and I don't think they tried that again, where it was just a straight designed run. They had it all blocked up perfect, and you saw a team get overly conservative, and they fell into the, the you know, run, run, uh, you know, run, run, throw on third and long. And we've seen that offense before, right? We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars lose that way against the Patriots. Uh, Mike, you're going to get to see a lot of this with Mike McCarthy in Dallas when they have a lead. Uh, if it's the second half, you're going to see a lot of run, run, pass on third and long and then punt. And then Buffalo, yeah, they just they lost all of that edge that got them the lead because I think they were trying to play the clock. They were just trying to run the game, you know, shorten the game. We've got the lead. Let's get out of here. And, and they took no more chances, really. And they, they had a few nice plays on that on that last uh, field goal drive. And then they had all, all the crazy penalties. And they knocked them. Oh, it was that they had that one drive where they should have been able to kick the field goal to tie it and ended up with penalties and crazy deep sack and just like all the, I felt like Atlanta in that Super Bowl against the Patriots where they mm-hmm. got to the 20 yard line and it's like, just stop here. And they proceed to go backwards 20 yards to then have to put the ball back to the Patriots. Um, instead of just, you know, Hey guys, three runs up the middle and let's just kick the field goal, go up by 11 and get out of town. And that's how it felt with the bills in that situation. Fortunately, they somehow get the stop on fourth down where the Texans go for it on fourth down in about an inch and can't get the first down with under that minute to go. Then the bills get the ball back and then are able to drive. And then you saw, you saw a little bit of that excitement in that offense again, when it was under, you know, stress and they got into field goal range and they tied it up and they get to overtime. And obviously I'd mentioned there, they had the, the, the weird, uh, illegal 
blindside block penalty that really wasn't that bad, but the refs, they, they saw what they saw and they threw the flag and then, you know, they have the, the play where Deshaun Watson just completely somehow evades two guys that have him completely dead. I'm like, he's going to, you know, it's over. They have him and two dudes just completely whiff on him and he turns it into the play that basically breaks the back of the, of the bills. So good game. We always get one where we always get one game like this wild card weekend though. Don't we? I get and Houston's way, but it really is all credit to the, the pressure to the Houston Texans defense and pressure. JJ Watt, uh, turning it on in the second half, not just that one sack, but then continuing after that to uh, squeeze and, and bring the pressure. Uh, they brought uh, DBs and uh, that, that's what forced the third and long where uh, project flings it at alignment and causing intentional grounding was, was blitzing and, and stopping Frank Gore in the backfield for a loss to make third and long. And that's what put them uh, in, in such a bad position and, going forward on fourth and 27 because you don't want to try a 59 yard field goal. And then Jacob Martin runs them down for a 19 yard loss on that is, Oh boy, just a total panic breakdown by, by Buffalo. It it, it was tough. It it was really tough to watch, but yeah, to your point, they come back. They, they, the, the bills make the defensive stop on Deshaun Watson on that fourth and one stick. And that was, uh, Houston could have tried a, a put away 47 yard field goal yeah. as well. They they didn't have to go for the one. I don't have a problem with them trying to get a yard because it's a yard. You know me. That's my big uh, thing about football today. Is so many guys don't want to go for a yard. You know, it's a yard. Go get a fucking yard. Uh, so I don't have a problem with them going for a yard. It makes you second guess when you look at well, they could have just tried a field goal and that would have put them away as well. But I don't have a problem with them going for the for the for the one yard. No. But the yeah, game. Houston then uh, Houston then the the drive with seven seconds left so makes sense to to feel because Project got back uh, to scrambling and and got back to running the offense the way they had been running it. Uh, so they did what they had to do at that point uh, to get back in the field goal range. Uh, man, that it was uh, it was right there for them though that the, that first half that they played. If, if they could have repeated that entire way, and I just went to like up the house, the, the Bills are going to wrap that thing up and, and put away to look so awful in the first half. It was they looked like they had no no idea how to play football. They <laughs> just totally had no idea what they were doing, and then just kind of snapped your fingers and, and turned it on. Deshaun Watson, uh, some unbelievable athletic plays. So all props and all credit to him as well. And the Bills go home. Uh, man, what a season! Uh, uh, Ten wins. Everyone uh, talked about how dangerous they were going to be when they got to the, to the wild card game. And man, that, that's going to be the best uh, playoff team to not win a division. Uh, they're going to give somebody all sorts of hell, and and they sure did for two and a half quarters. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it went to overtime, but yeah, they they, they could have run away with that game. I think a better, more seasoned team. Uh, runs away with that game. A better, more seasoned team also wins that division because they can get that extra touchdown against the Patriots to get mm-hmm. that division win. So I'm not going to – I don't feel like I'm going out on a crazy limb here when I when I announce right now the Bills are winning that division next year. Yeah, no, that's not out on a limb at all. 
And so I, I you know, we don't want to give you the 2020 season preview already, <laughs> but I, I honestly think that that you know we've, we I think we've already started to feel the shift. Uh, we can talk about the next game that got played. Uh, if we really want to, you know, talk about the shift because that 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 was the shift. That that was the te- the tectonic shift. That yes, was the so. the earth moving and the uh, and the Patriots crumbling in the first round. Which, yeah, we both tried to get into existence of the Patriots, and we're just going to dominate just on muscle memory, and uh, it, it didn't work out that way. Well, you know, and I said I never would be so much more happy to lose a pick, and I, I wasn't. I, I was I was <laughs> so happy I lost that pick. Um, you know, because you expected it's the Patriots, it's up in New England, it's Tennessee, a team they've dominated. There was some concern that there could have been some weather. Turned out to not be any kind of a case really too bad. Um, but it was Derrick Henry. The Patriots had no answer for Derrick Henry. And it, everything about the Patriots that we both said all year, you said it way more than I said it, but neither one of us backed it up. Paper champion. And they had this they had this crazy high defensive rank because they ran out that on that undefeated stretch at the beginning of the season, basically playing a bunch of nobodies. And when the schedule toughened up, they started to show some cracks. They started getting beat. Um, their, their, their defensive metrics got worse. I think they would, you would, you would, you're the stats guy, but measurably worse in the second half than they were in the first, but they were so dominant against all this inferior opposition in the first half that they were going to end up being a top looking defense statistics wise by the end of the season. And uh, yeah, no, Der- Derek Henry, you, you play the, play the John Cena music for him and just go, bits, bits, that, that whole game <laughs> was, and nobody gets that joke, but that's fine. Um, it, you know, <laughs> Derek Henry literally uh, made the Patriots his bitch. Uh, no, no argument over that. I was trying to go back uh, through the notes and see. I, I, that's actually one of the metrics that I've been uh, looking up as part of my uh, preview of every game, which I didn't really get was, wasn't able to get into any of the previews because of all of our connection yeah, issues last week. Yeah. Um, so to your exact point of uh, defensive metrics for New England over the second half of the year, everyone's offensive and defensive metrics in week eight or after their first eight games and what they are now at the end of the season and what the difference was. Uh, New England's run defense uh, improved almost a half a yard. The uh, second half of the defense dropped almost a full yard over the uh, second half of the season. So they actually stiffened up a little bit in run D, but yeah, definitely uh, started giving up some more yardage uh, in the past. Which that was playing Baltimore Ravens. That's going to happen, right? That didn't actually pan out because I think Ryan Tannehill only threw for seventy-two yards. Right. He they didn't if you, want to throw the ball at all. Right. They 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 Kirk Cousins the hell out of Ryan Tannehill in that game. They just said, you you know what, Ryan, we we got this. <laughs> we got give this. it to he that big, big guy behind you. <laughs> he made the big third down throw. Uh, late in the game from deep in his own territory, and that was about all he needed. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. Just Thanks for playing. Giving, we're just going to keep giving. Yeah, we're just going to keep giving the ball to twenty-two here, and we're going to let him yeah. just absolutely terrorize 
the New England defenders because a lot of those tackles that Derrick Henry, uh, a lot of his tackles were by guys wearing jerseys also in the 20s. So if you want to call it tackles, a lot of them would just kind of get yeah. in his way. <laughs> when when he's running, through, he was running through good holes. He was finding seams, but he was he was abusing that secondary. And the last thing I think you want to see if you're a, a, a D back is uh, Derrick Henry rumbling through the secondary. I, I don't think anybody wants to see that. And everybody wants to give all this credit to the uh, play of Ryan Tannehill. I would say this probably goes more to the coaching. This goes more to Mike Vrabel and that coaching staff for making that switch off of Marcus Mariota because I remember back when it happened and we talked about the switch to Tannehill and just the fact that they would go from this crazy impromptu sort of just wild offense with Mariota just trying to run around and scramble to this more just, hey, let's just play it straight up. It's amazing with just playing a straight up offense with just a, you know, a, a regular quarterback, just a regular league average. Uh, I don't even know if we'd call Ryan Tannehill league average. He's, but he's just he's he's a just a typical quarterback. He, he's a guy. But what happened was instead of all this crazy offense that they have to run with Mariota, they realized that they've hey we've got this guy in the backfield who's really good. And every time we give him the ball, good things usually happen. He runs off these huge plays and he's abusive on teams. He gets better as the game goes because they just need such a load. These teams can't take him down. It's amazing how just this base vanilla offense that the Titans are running with some, with some play action mixed in, which works really good when you can run the football. Uh, now they're into the division round of the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill throwing for 72 yards. If you would have told me before the game Ryan Tannehill is going to throw for 72 yards, I think we both would have felt really good about our pick of the Patriots. <laughs> yes. Um, Tannehill this year was not uh, an average league quarterback. That's the crazy part about it is this year he was a well above average league quarterback. He was unbelievably good. Like he was by some met- some metrics the best quarterback in the league from the from the moment that he took over. Not for the whole season necessarily, but from that from that moment after week four, week five, whatever that was, uh, that he was, uh, by some measurements, number one. Like, he was that damn good. Uh, and yet, all props and credit to Mike Verbeek and the his coaching staff recognized that the best to, to was not to trust that Tannehill was the best quarterback in the league against uh, the New England Patriots defense uh, because that was highly unlikely. Uh, let's give it to this guy 22 and, and keep giving it to him and it, we'll, we'll keep doing that until he falters and he just never faltered so they just kept doing it and it was uh, it was a mauling it was an old school mauling just get behind your big bruising but it was an Earl Campbell like mauling just get behind your guy and say yeah. we're going to run it down your throat and you're not going to be able to do a damn thing about it uh, they did nothing but run uh, all props to them for knowing that they had but basically, time to come back and beat them after uh, able to do. Uh, the Patriots win that game if they have anything close to a representative offense like they've had for yeah. this dynasty. But what they have now is shit, and therefore they weren't able to make any kind of comeback. 
Um, that was the first back-to-back games with pick sixes for Tom Brady in his entire career. It's fitting that it happens uh, here at, at yeah. what appears to be the end of the dynasty by by all measurements. Uh, it, it was it was also fitting that it happened against a former Patriot in, in Mike Vrabel. Maybe uh, he was able to and Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan, definitely a, a former Patriot, making the the tipped pick, and and should have had a tipped pick six earlier and dropped it. Yes. So yeah, came back another <laughs> one. Hey, here's another yeah. gift for you. Uh, so let let's see if he can coach against an organization he's not intimately familiar with and and get the job done there. But for this one, got it done and can't do anything but say congratulations and and well done. Yeah. And- we don't talk about this enough. The job that Mike Vrabel and the coaching staff and the training staff that they had the the knife's edge that the Titans had to walk, even in order to make the playoffs regarding the Derrick Henry hamstring injury earlier, yes. late in the season where they're basically giving him like the NFL version of load management where they they completely didn't use him in that New Orleans game with the, complete understanding that that wasn't the game they had to win, that they then had to turn around and then win the next week with a healthy Derrick Henry. And they went to Houston who had already locked it up for the division because of the Titans losing to New Orleans, just everything that this had to kind of line up to sort of like will this Titans team into the playoffs. And they did not have a lot of room for error. Pittsburgh, even though Pittsburgh fell apart was still there all the way to the end, and they just sort of they, they they maneuvered this hand they, they massaged this hamstring uh, with Derrick Henry and the rest. Look what he's done with the rest, and he comes back and he has one of those playoff performances, uh, kind of for the ages. So everyone's gonna if this is what does in if this is it if this is the end of Brady at least the end of Brady and Belichick in New England together. Uh, a lot of people are going to remember that Derrick Henry game. I mean, this doesn't have this doesn't have that that sad ending like the the Dan Marino sixty two to seven blowout against Jacksonville. You know where it was that bad, where you just clearly knew you were watching somebody whose career was over. But tell me any other point in Tom Brady's career, a game that goes fourteen thirteen at the half, and the Patriots end with thirteen. I mean, they they could yeah. not get the ball repeatedly they could not get the ball into titans they couldn't even get the ball into titans territory they couldn't even get into field goal range they couldn't sniff it could could not sniff the end zone come anywhere near it credit to the titans defense but the titans defense were clearly clearly playing an inferior offense and the titan the patriots offense has been inferior all year you also can't name another game where a coach keeps taking a bunch of weird delays, delay of games and false starts in, in punt formation in order to keep the clock running uh, yeah. until it gets under five minutes. And you can see Bill Belichick's uh, face trying to explode and the veins popping out of his head. But that was a little baffling because what is what the hell is the ref supposed to do about that? Belichick's uh, bitching and moaning about it as if there's something that can be done and stopped. Uh, something illegal or something uh, untoward that the Titans were doing in order to didn't they weren't doing anything illegal or uh, no you know, they, they, they were they were the they were they were out Belichicking Belichick because Belichick yeah that's what he was mad about thing. yeah 
It's like, yeah, it's yeah, okay when you're the bully, out. but now when the other guy's doing it to you, they, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that next possession after the Patriots finally get it back, uh, Julian Edelman just had a straight drop of a pass, and that felt like yeah. the end because New England was driving and had been scuffling so much all night. They finally were putting something together, and they get that drop that Brady throws behind the doors and under down, uh, punts it away. And, yeah, New England's night, it wasn't their season offensively. Uh, it was sort of a minor miracle that they put together 12-4 and four, uh, with the offense that they did have. Uh, and but man, just one more game, just one win over the lowly Dolphins, and they get that bye, and they're able to rest up and maybe put together a game plan to to come out with something that looks better than that. But they didn't, they they weren't able to do it. They didn't have the rest. They had to go the very next week and and play a, a very game Titans team. And like I said, with Mike Vrabel as a coach, maybe he had a a couple of pearls of wisdom here and there to to know uh, what the Patriots are running at certain times. Who knows? Uh, but hey, all props to the Titans for getting it done, and and yeah, that that definitely in, indeed felt like the end of the dynasty. And we sort of scoffed at that line, like, well, why is that line only four and a half or five? Boy, this really feels like a gift. Like if this was like full strength Patriots, this line would be eight or ten. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Somebody was obviously paying more attention than we were. Somebody may have been paying attention to me all year, calling them paper champions and taking taking yeah. it to heart. I believe it's just you, that I didn't I follow you up. You actually <laughs> had the Dolphins as your lock of the week in week seventeen. Well, that was plus that was plus seventeen. If I could get the Titans plus seventeen, maybe if I'd have teased it up, uh, maybe I would have felt better <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you didn't have the Dolphins straight up, but uh, no, <laughs> that would have never been in a million stone. years. That would have been something. I think, I think Darren Ravel on Twitter uh, tweeted out right before that game that some poor schlub put like a hundred grand on the Patriots straight up to to try to win whatever the money line was because it was just a, such a short thing. You're not going to lose to the Dolphins. You, oh. got, you know, you got to buy on the line. You got you're at home. You're playing the fucking Dolphins. They're the best team in the world to lose that. Are you? Ugh. So as bad as we felt about one and three, there were worse feeling losers. Believe me. Well, it's a fitting way for it to end. Yeah. Uh, so then on Sunday, you, you get up from that 0-2 if you're both of us, and you think, hey, this is the biggest spread of the weekend, and this is the surest thing. Surely the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees, 13-3, and and their offense is looking so wonderful, and they got – you know, road cousins coming in. That that's that's nothing. That's that's easy. That's Saints all day, baby. Who that? Who that said they're gonna beat them Saints? Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. The Saints and uh, the playoffs just not a not a good mix, huh? <laughs> not the last few years, no. Man, that's three <laughs> awful <laughs> exits. Three of them. Three yeah. really bad exits. And the Vikings had to win that game in overtime, but did, you felt like the Vikings were in control of that game. Yeah, they they definitely uh, controlled everything uh, from the inside out. You you move those two uh, of linemen inside and have them rush right into Drew Brees' face, and but who knew do the shutdown New Orleans? They couldn't do anything all along. No, it seemed like. Uh, their, their offense was Taysom Hill. They, they needed to run right. a lot more Taysom Hill 
and uh, a, lo- a lot less pressure in Drew Brees' face. So I'm not going to go on record and be one of these old Drew Brees is done. Everybody has always known Drew Brees is not the tallest guy. If you can get quick pressure straight up the middle at him, that's where he's his most vulnerable. And it worked. He's not a mobile guy, so he's not going to break a lot of containment and stretch these plays with his legs. He's very accurate, but he needs he needs that vision over that offensive line. And it, when you get that quick pressure right at him, it forces him into mistakes. And the Delvin Cook played out of his mind. Kirk Cousins made that big throw in the overtime um, and played very efficient football. He didn't have the the gaff. We didn't he didn't have that moment. He didn't have that Kirk Cousins moment. Um, yeah, you know, they make the big third down conversion touchdown in the end zone, touchdown in the end zone. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't one of these who was all like, Oh, that was, that was, that was a clear offensive pass interference. Did, did Kyle Rudolph push? Yes. But if you watch the whole play, those guys were playing patty cake all the way into the back of the end zone. So you could have maybe called it on both of them, yeah. But to call it they on were, they one, were, they were, would, would they be, were, they yeah. were, they were like cat fight. They were like girl fighting all, all the way with each <laughs> other, all the way into the back of the end zone. And then Kyle Rudolph kind of he gave him a little shove. He gave him the he gave him the shiver, and uh, he jumped he up and he business. made the catch. Yeah, there's PJ Williams again. Yeah. <laughs> Man, poor poor guy. And uh, hey, credit to you. Uh, you had Kyle Rudolph as your X factor, so. There's a right, I was the one thing I was right about all weekend. Win for you, solid X factor win for you um, to start the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was he was definitely guilty of, of offensive pass interference, but like you said, there was also some pushing from PJ Williams. So you, you, if you're going to call anything, you're going to call it offsetting. But I'm okay right. with them calling uh, neither of them. But if you're a Saints fan, of course, you're thinking about the last few years, and you're thinking, are you, are you fucking kidding? Are yeah. you fucking kidding? Oh. And then the booth the booth wouldn't even look at it. They're like, nah, nah we'd rather nah. not. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you you thought the NFL and, and Al Riveron would be uh, much more vigilant in the playoffs, calling for, for PI reviews, and they wouldn't want a replay to, to overshadow the playoffs, especially if the Saints are involved. Uh, ooh? Huh? Yeah, they they don't they don't care. They clearly do not give a fuck. They're they're yeah. gonna do what they think they want to do, what they think is right. Um, yeah, like I said, objectively, I'm okay with them not calling it, but I can understand if you're a Saints fan, so they're going like, what the hell? Yeah, uh, yeah. We're to the point in the second game where they immediately caught Collinsworth is like, well, if it's a one-handed push, it's okay, but a two-handed push, that's bad. I'm like. Somebody oh. clearly got the memo <laughs> from the league to Chris, Chris Collinsworth that we would we because I don't think he said that all on his own. I'm going tinfoil hat here. I mm. think that came down where he felt like he was doing some damage control there after that non-call and non-review in the game. Well, it's okay if you push off with one hand. Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. You think That's if we run to the Chris? official NFL rule book? going to be uh, some school, some pencil over the oh, one hand is okay with to get away with. But... Yes, it'll be stapled to the rule book on a napkin written in, written in crayon. One hand push yeah. okay. Two hand push no okay. <laughs> no okay. 
yeah, I very hastily uh, scribbled into the into the rule book. All of a sudden, one hand right now. So yeah, that one-handed offensive pass interference, no problem. Sure. Yeah, third straight season, New Orleans has lost on the last play. Uh, that, that, yeah. That's twice unbelievable. Twice the hands of the Vikings now. That, that's incredible. Uh, but yeah, great coaching job uh, to move Danielle Hunter and, and Everson Griffin inside to dominate the New Orleans interior line. Cannot overlook that. Cannot overstate that enough by uh, by Mike Zimmer and the uh, Vikings coaching staff. Uh, and great job by New Orleans to still manage to come back and 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 yeah. force OT on their part. So uh, it, it wasn't over. It was uh, Minnesota was dominating that game and could have uh, put it away, but. Drew Brees fought back. Uh, Taysom Hill more accurately fought back um, because it was actually Drew Brees uh, on that drive where uh, Taysom Hill had uh, the play where he takes one for for 28 yards, uh, running through some arm tackles, uh, got it into the red zone, and the next play is Brees takes the snap and Daniel Hunter comes through and hits Brees' arm and knocks the ball out and Everyone starts di- diagramming uh, Breeze's thumb and and where he let the ball slip out because he really uh, Hunter didn't really hit the ball out. He hit Breeze's arm and the ball just kind of squirted yeah, out. Yeah, it just kind of was like that, that was like almost you heard the little whoop sound, you know? Like you literally could <laughs> yeah. hear the ball just pop right out of his hand. A little cartoon sound, just yeah, something just slipping out. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe some symbolism there. It's, uh, there are so many people that sort of want him to pass the torch to Taysom Hill. But, oh, Taysom's the guy. Taysom is, is almost like a backup quarterback in Chicago. He's the guy. We uh, need Taysom. Yeah. No. Even though, even though I think everybody, I think everybody knows that Teddy Bridgewater would be the more likely starting quarterback if they had to go with the three on their roster and Brew Brees wasn't there. Uh, was Teddy Bridgewater four and zero? I believe he was. Oh yeah. He, he, I believe he did very good work as Breeze's backup, which I never yeah. saw coming. I believe he set Sean Payton up for sort of first half coach of the year, the way that uh, that Bridgewater played. Yeah, uh, and and here they are, sort of unceremoniously bounced uh, as that three seed. I think there were a lot of people who were looking at the Saints. I wasn't one of those people, but a lot of the run and press the week before was all the Saints are that they're that sneaky. Uh, Super Bowl team in the NFC. Nobody's real as well. They were they were they were so sneaky. They're not even in the playoffs anymore. That's real sneaky. That's super sneaky. <laughs> I, I was and, one uh, of them. I was I was one of the suckers. Uh, it, we get but to it the, was uh, we get to that final game, and I and I said I'll see you your Kyle Rudolph X Factor, and I'm going <laughs> to give you a whole heaping helping of DK Metcalf. Yeah, and, that, that, that's that's an X all over the place right there. <laughs> DK Metcalf doesn't only do everything I said he was going to do. Like the Philadelphia Eagles would have zero answer for DK Metcalf, which they had zero answer for DK Metcalf. He would go and set the single game postseason receiving record in his first playoff game. So good, good, good work, good work, son. I'm... Thank you. That, that is the way. That is the way to make me proud. For an X Factor win, there uh, did not did not see that one coming. But yeah, I, I figured he'd be too big and too strong and all over that Eagles secondary. I didn't think I'd see that though. 
he that that was that was complete ownage that whole game. They didn't think they'd see that either. Um, one of the football podcasts I was listening to this week uh, pointed out that whatever spot in the draft that the Philadelphia Eagles took a, a chance on a wide receiver, uh, my X Factor JJ Ortega Whiteside. <laughs> well, there's X factors and then there's no factors. Whatever spot that was that they took, you know, seven spots after that, the Seattle Seahawks took your X Factor, DJ Metcalf. Okay. I think the Seahawks got the better of that one. <laughs> you think so? Just slightly? JJ Ortega Whiteside, I believe, saw one target and had that was it. Uh, totally missing. And very uh, unfortunate for. Carson wins to go down to, to that head yes. injury and, and get Jake McCrown on the field in the playoff game, which nobody wanted to see. Um, becomes the oldest did man. See, did you see the news today? Debut. That Jake, Jake McCrown was playing with a, a busted hamstring. torn hamstring. He's going to have to have <laughs> surgery. And he's literally got a torn hammy. And he's gutting it out out there on the field playing with it. I mean, Wow. How many more injuries could the Eagles have suffered? And still only lost by eight. And they still won the division. Yeah, that was just crazy those last two weeks. But I mean, but, for that team, you know, eight and eight. I mean, was it eight and eight? Nine, nine and, and seven, seven. Nine and seven wins that division, and they were—I mean—they were blown out, completely blown out of the secondary all year with all the injuries. The running backs were hurt. Uh, you. Carson Wentz ends up getting knocked out of that game at the end. And they, that team, just to even win that division, just to even win the nine games. I mean, nobody's going to talk about Doug Peterson uh, and the coaching job for that team. But, well, I guess I just I, – I will now. Somebody just Doug did. Peterson got that team to 9-7 and seven and a division title. Now, that's absent the fact that Jason Garrett and the Cowboys completely shit the bet. The Eagles – the Eagles should not have even been in the playoffs, much less winning no, the division. No, they shouldn't have. Um, but there they were, you know, and and they 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 was this was this the exact same score the last game these two played? Seventeen to nine in the regular season, and also in this wild card game, both uh, both had the exact same score. That that was very. Yeah, how often does my, that happen? Especially with a score like that. Yeah, my pick of the score was very close to it. It was twenty to twelve, but I didn't think it was going to be the exact same score as last uh, time. Yeah. But yeah, I did not see all of that coming. Uh, Russell Wilson doesn't run nearly as much as he used to, but when he does, he makes it count. Uh, this game was a case in point of that. It's not like he's trying to take off all the time. Uh, they're up and down, but when he sees the opening, when when everyone on the defense is turning their back to him and he sees all that green in front of him. He's, he's going to take it. He's still got the wheels to take advantage of that. So uh, he, he certainly uh, did a good job of that in between finding uh, decaf Metcalf over and over again um, and making your X factor completely shine. Um, so uh, official um, on the hit on Carson Witz by Jadavian Clowney. Uh, was it dirty? Was it worthy of, a penalty or, or a flag or fine or anything like that? I'm going to say no. Because the only look that we get initially 
the, the live look that the ref gets, I would I'd say no. He was diving head first. Clowney went in. You no, know, they collided. Now, when you go back and you look at the super slow mo, and oh wait, was there Jadavian Clowney and his head does ever so gently tilt towards the head? I mean, I, I, I'm gonna say no. Carson Wentz needs to be more aware of his situation and not be running around there diving around head first. I know you're trying to win a football game and you're gutsy and you're passionate and you, Nick Foles has your Super Bowl title. I get it. <laughs> but you still have to be aware that your backup is Jake McCrown and you have to be out there for your football team. I am going to side on this. I'm going to go completely on the not dirty side on that clowny hit. With the with the little asterisk that yes, in super slow mo, the split second before their heads collide, Clowney does make that. You know, he gives him that little shoulder dip so that his head hits the other guy. But in real time, you know, you're bracing for impact anyways. You know, you're going down, you're hitting the guy, you're gonna just naturally he lands on top of him and then the head snaps down towards him. I didn't think it was dirty. I thought it was a guy who saw an opportunity to hit a quarterback who's diving to the turf head first, who is not a protected player at that point. So not dirty. Yeah. We don't talk about these, uh, these things beforehand. So I just sprung that question on you uh, Ah. cold. Yeah. We don't do prep. I mean, Jesus, it'd be like we were a real (laughs) show or something if we did that. Right. Uh, but but I agree 100% for the same reasons. Um, I I don't think oh, it was okay. dirty. I don't uh, okay. I don't think there should have been a flag. Um, and and I agree that if you break out the Zapruder film and and check out which direction right. Kennedy's brains went, um, <laughs> that you might have a, a basis to do something. No, in in real time, ball play. It was a billion times, and with the the contact that just happened to be made. And the fact that it does get flagged, that incidental helmet contact does draw penalties nowadays, I don't necessarily think that's true or good. I don't think just because it has been flagged means it should be flagged. That's just you're playing football. I mean, at some point you have to have some common sense and realize that these are very fast, uh, well-trained athletes playing football and some incidental contact like that is going to happen at times. So. Yeah, how many times have we complained? How many times have we complained about fingertips grazing the side of a helmet as the guy is Personal running by? The and there's a 15. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game last year get hit on the shoulder, get flagged for a blow <laughs> to the head. Uh, you know, not him, but the you know the the Kansas City Chief guy. That was a, that ended up being a huge play in that game. That. Nobody even hit him in the head, and they got 15 yards for hitting him in the head. He looked. Can't look at what said. Yeah, um, so I, yeah. I didn't hear a word of what you just said. Your 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 oh. your audio issues have persisted. Oh, wonderful. Um, that that might be the weather. That might be my connection. That might be any number of things. But uh, okay. I'll I'll. Try to go as as hard as I could. I said, uh, "What did I? What did I say?" Um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Something about the Brady the hell uh, helmet. Nobody's listening. <laughs> <that story. laughs> uh, you can uh, take the time to to take the microphone for a second. Then uh, 
maybe my issues will clear up uh, if you go on uh, the the coaching uh, carousel that that went around this week. Uh, several openings that got filled. Uh, if you have any comments or, or thoughts about any of those uh, hirings, uh, most notably to to us probably is your favorite former Packers head coach Mike yeah, McCarthy going you know, down to Dallas. I, I had already shifted my gaze off of Mike McCarthy. You know, on the on the death watch, the Mike McCarthy death watch, I had shifted that after he got fired in Green Bay. And I was like, okay, I'm done with Mike McCarthy for a while. The last place that I expected Mike McCarthy to end up was in Jerry World, uh, coaching the Dallas Cowboys. I am I'm boggled by this hire. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a good fit. Maybe they figure that McCarthy is an offensive guy and he can he can squeeze something out of out of Dak Prescott and you know I I don't know if it's a good fit because you know, he's one of these smartest guy in the room types who's very quarterback friendly and quarterback oriented and you've just been gifted uh, Ezekiel Elliott and I have a feeling that Mike McCarthy is going to completely. Uh, not use Ezekiel Elliott the way that he needs to be used, which is sort of weird because this is the guy who you paid, the quarterback you didn't pay, the running back you did pay, and I don't think you've brought in the coach who's going to get the most out of the guy who you gave all the money to, who's clearly the bell cow of this offense, and what keeps that whole thing moving. And, and you know, and you know my love of Mike McCarthy for his lack of uh, halftime adjustments, so I completely expect the Cowboys next year to be this amazing first half team first half team of games not the first eight games the first half of games in game and then the X's and O's just completely excuse me completely fall apart and they just kind of sputter along and limp along I'm not saying that it's doesn't mean that they can't win that division because on paper they probably are the most talented team and that they did underachieve and while I'm crapping all over Mike McCarthy, I'm going to go 100% on record here and say that he is leaps and bounds better as an NFL head coach than Jason Garrett. Like you, can, So that with that, you know, so yes, I've got my issues with Mike McCarthy have been well documented on this show, but he is going to give you better results, I believe, overall than, than Jason Garrett, than, than Coach Clapp. Um, <laughs> the Clapper. Yeah, you know, he will. The Clapper. He will do a better job than Jason Garrett. But Jason Garrett didn't set the bar very high. Uh, no. Especially with the amount of underachieving out of that Dallas uh, team. And then the fact that they found that way to just start losing and losing and losing at the end of the season, allowing the decimated Eagles to win that division. He had to go. There was, you know, and then, is he still, is he actually fired? This is one of the weirdest situations I've ever seen. Because it's like Mike McCarthy got hired. Did Jason Garrett ever actually officially get fired? Or is he still showing up to work? Did he just show up to work one day and Mike McCarthy's sitting in his office and he's like, oh, what's going on here? Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I just, it was just, that was the Move that yourself was the over most. here on, on the other counter oh. and, uh, you know, get in big boxes. You can take them. Uh, yeah, I can move my stuff in here. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I think this is a special mug. I, I saved that, I set that aside for you. That's yours. Uh, but but thanks a lot, buddy. I, this is my office now. Um, the slow motion yeah. firing of Jason Garrett just has to be the most bizarre <laughs> firing of a coach that that I've ever seen. Because so even – and then it just gets announced. Like, Ed Werder, it's reporting, has announced <laughs> that 
Jason Garrett won't be retained. There's no there's no press conference. There's no official statement from the team. Oh, Edward did did Edwarder fire Jason Garrett? Is that how it works now? Come on. No, he just happened to be the disrespect. guy. Jason Garrett's not getting another head coaching job. That is the level of disrespect. How do you get over that? Uh, yeah, I don't think there was any way he was getting another head coaching job because he shouldn't have got this one. No. Uh, but, yeah, that's just, just Jerry being Jarrah. That's, that's such a Jerry Jones way of doing things. Edwarder didn't fire Jason Garrett. He just happened to be the reporter standing nearest to Jerry Jones when the Eagles playoff game started so that Jerry can then interrupt the uh, division champion Eagles uh, playoff game with the news that the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, has made a choice and a decision about their coach, Jason Garrett, and they've decided to uh, <laughs> not bring him back. Yeah, everybody was pointing I out like, that it was... I, I like my theory. I think Edward or fired him. <laughs> Everyone was pointing out that it's not any kind of coincidence that Jerry Jones waited until the Eagles were playing uh, in order to make this uh, announcement. Yeah. Just... And then the other two, the Panthers and the Giants, is like, okay, they, they hired guys. Great. They hired rah-rah guys. They hired really they hired grindy guys. football rah-rah guys. So they hired yeah, them. Just, just dudes, you know. And, and the Cleveland, of course... Uh, the, the first team that Still fired waiting. their coach is the last team who's going to replace their coach. <laughs> Although Freddie Kitchens should have been fired six weeks ago. Oh, he, his organization had his back, he thought. He good. Oh, yeah. They stabbed him in the back. Fre- Freddie Kitchens should have been. As soon as the <laughs> helmet of Ma- of uh, Miles Garrett <laughs> landed on the noggin of Mason Rudolph, Freddie Kitchens should have been yeah. fired. Well, especially afterwards when he's sort of defending or defending his guy, or that you, no, you you can't you can't even give the whiff of trying to justify no. anything like that. Just no. Yeah, that's a way over his head as we always knew. All right, so that was the uh, news of the week, I believe. Uh, the only thing of of real interest was the coaching yeah. carousel, and uh, that brings us to divisional round weekend, where you have. Already notified me of uh, of an interesting decision as far as these picks go. Uh, you say that you may not change your picks. You have your own picks, but uh, being down seven points to me yeah. still in the playoffs after last weekend's uh, wild card one and four uh, one and three week for both of us, you have decided to give me the honor. Let me make my and announce. Then you will decide if you're going to veer off of your decision or not, and you're going to let me uh, sort of set the table here for all these games this week. So in a little right. change so my of picks, pace. My picks are all made, so I'm actually not waiting. I'm not reliant on your picks, but I am in a position where the person who is playing from behind has the choice. We've always sort of done it this way. The person who's in not in the lead can let the other person make the pick first. Um, because I may decide that I want to change something up or call an audible on my picks, but I have my picks made. I have no intent to change them, but being in that position, I want to hear your picks first. All right. Fair enough. Does that also, we've never done it to each other where one of us just purposely, Hey, hey, I'm in the lead. I can just agree with them the whole rest of the season. (laughs) And then I win. I'm guilty of that. A douchebag. But, uh, I pull a, a stunt like that once or twice. 
Um, but no, not anytime recently, no. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I think it's fair that the person who's in the in the rear gets to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the pressure should be on the team that's winning. And we've we've had it. We've won it that way, and we've blown it that way many times, right? That's right, and much, much pressure on me after one and three last week, sitting here with the lead and wondering, uh, can I possibly get it right this week and, and turn it around and, and figure it out? It's always so tough as well. I'm sure you had the same um, uh, problems making your picks. You get these teams that pull these, these upsets that we didn't get last week. Do we throw that out as a fluke this week? They're all playing sure. better teams, obviously. Do we say, oh, now I believe, I, I see what y'all did, and I'm going to believe in y'all and the road warriors that uh, all these road wins, all these road teams this year, the road team, especially underdogs, just dominated this season. It was a really tough season uh, handicapping uh, because road teams are really getting it done all year long, and they continue it in the first round of the playoffs, and now they meet all these home gladiators with these big home records, uh, Packers and Ravens both suck at home, nine or six. Um, it, it, it's tough. It was tough. These picks were tough for me. I did not really know who I really liked uh, in, in these games until I really sat down and, and, and tried to dig into it. Uh, but we're going to uh, move it along and make our picks. Um, and I tell you, my um, connection issues are so bad. This just I'm rambling along and doing my thing, and you can't really understand anything. Just go ahead and cut me off. What you got to do doesn't good to listen to me go through, and you can't really make out anything. Uh, but with that, to get ready to make our division round picks, the conference semifinals, as I like to call them, starting right now with the Minnesota Kings of Francisco. Niners, that's the game, uh, 4.30 Eastern time. Road Cousins, he's, he's, he's got one now. He's, he's got one under his belt. Uh, so the Vikings at 10-6, and 5-4 and four on the road now after that win last week. Uh, San Francisco 13-3, and 6-2 at home. Uh, some of the notes and tidbits that I picked up on uh, various podcasts this week. Uh, Road Cousins getting one, and now here's the 49ers, and as tough as they've been at home. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, his his zone scheme should prove even harder to defend than the New Orleans Saints. As as great as the Saints have been playing offensively, uh, the Vikings figured out how to defend them, um, and and Shanahan's offense should be even tougher. Uh, If so, to put defensive inside, can San Francisco adjustments? And, and uh, New Orleans didn't make the adjustment. New Orleans didn't figure it out until it was way too late. Um, and it, they did not make the adjustments in time, obviously. Can, uh, can anyone possibly have full confidence in, in either quarterback? As I turn the cough here. <coughs> Wasn't counting on that either. Uh, but that was uh, uh, a theme that I heard on um, podcast and also uh, read was these two quarterbacks um, and then and, uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, hang on 
<clears throat> oh, I get so choked up talking about it. Um, these two quarterbacks and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo are uh, are they really sort of one and the same? Is one better than the other? Can you really have a whole lot of confidence in either one? And uh, and D Ford does return now to bolster the pass rush for San Francisco. Uh, on the other side, for Minnesota, Adam Thielen somehow has come down with a with a cut ankle. He got uh, apparently got spiked in practice this week. So, uh, well, Mike Zimmer, there. Mike Zimmer announced that uh, what happens in practice stays in practice, or what 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 were the first rule of practice is we don't talk about practice apparently now. <laughs> so it's like Fight Club. So it yeah. makes yeah this whole new level of like, <clears throat> like what really happened to Adam Thielen's Something, something that made it get stitched. That's all we know. That's all we really know. Yes. <laughs> How do you get spiked on your heel to need stitches? <laughs> Are you out there barefoot? I don't know. It's a great question. Um, so we uh, talk about these numbers that I like to talk about, and I never really got into like the. Um, I didn't have time to get into all the uh, elite versus uh, subpar. Defenses, uh, except to look up uh, last year that the two elite pass defenses that played against uh, elite pass offenses, uh, that the pass defenses did not come through, but it was because they both were starting quarterbacks that were having their first uh, playoff starts and played terribly in both cases. That would be the with Jackson. Bears with Trubisky. This year in the wild card round, uh, I ignored that uh, trend. Had a pass defense versus elite pass offense matchup in that first game of the weekend with the Bills and the Texans, and I joined you in going with Buffalo, the elite pass defense. And once again, the elite pass defense lost to the elite pass offense. And once again it was partially or maybe mainly because they, the elite pass defense was using a young quarterback that never played a playoff game and, and clearly looked like it. So that's maybe, uh, maybe that's a new trend is no matter what, no matter how good the defense is, if they're playing a kid, a quarterback that has never done it before, throw it out. Don't even go with that team. And if I'd have looked at that, maybe I would have won that pick. Uh, but the Vikings in this case, not, not it, but quarterback, has played before and uh, got the uh, upset win last week. So it's actually uh, Garoppolo uh, with San Francisco that he's the kid in this case, and San Francisco is the elite pass defense, and they are seven-point favorites at home against the Vikings. And with that information, you would think that that would lean towards the Minnesota Vikings, but that would mean you'd have to trust uh, Road Cousins to come through again, and, and who really wants to do that? Uh, but the, the number of San Francisco number in San Diego up in this loss is coming uh, in the second half. Of course, you remember they started eight and zero before the loss to Seattle. But the fact that they kept their numbers up and kept playing well, even though they picked up those L's, uh, they they had a pretty high quality of uh, play, and they, they didn't really let it drop off too much. Uh, San Fran's superb run blocking all year, and Minnesota's defensive front can get moved around, so I expect uh, the 49ers to do well on the ground. It didn't matter who they were running there. It could be 
Kevin Coleman, it could be uh, Matt Breida, it could be Raheem Mostert. It really didn't matter. The 49ers are still doing well on the ground. Of course, his problem for the Vikings with uh, Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes, we've talked about that a lot on this show. And who the hell's going to cover George Kittle? That's kind of the, the, the million-dollar question for the Vikings is who in the world is going to match up with him, if anyone. I don't know if anyone can match up with George Kittle. However, on the other side of the ball, the San Francisco protection can be an issue. Uh, 7% sack rate this year for Jimmy G is pretty high. Uh, record on, on Monday night, uh, once Jadavian Clowney started getting around the corner and, and coming after Jimmy G, he was, was sort of looking around and looking over his shoulder both ways. So you can get some pressure on him. He... he kind of starts playing like a kid himself. Uh, and Danielle Hunter and Everson Griffin, they're obviously at the top of their games right now, the way they're playing. So that could be a real big problem for San Francisco coming uh, if Minnesota comes after him. Nick Bosa on the other side is everywhere for San Fran. Minnesota must find him to protect Kirk Cousins. Uh, the San Francisco defense can be too aggressive and susceptible to play action. I saw that a lot in their games this year. Uh, Robert Sala only seems to know how to turn the dial up, not dial it down. So uh, things get tight. He's going to try to get them going even more and get them up the field even more. And I think that's actually might be the wrong thing to do against the Vikings and Dalvin Cook the way he's been playing uh, ever since he came back from being rested. Uh, he looked excellent last week. Uh, I said that when Minnesota has a healthy, balanced offense, they look as good as any offense in the league. I, I've said that all year. And clearly Dalvin Cook right now, is back, he's healthy, and, and he's playing the way he's supposed to play. And if you notice last week, John Diggs had on the side, you know what happened in the regular with his offense, with their uh, receivers, when they get mad, they get the squeaky wheel. And now with, with Thielen getting spiked or whatever the hell happened to him in practice, it's going to be all day with Stephon Diggs uh, tomorrow, on, uh, tomorrow afternoon in Santa Clara. I'm calling for Stephon Diggs to have a huge day and just go ape shit and go up and down the field, get that squeaky wheel treat. I got just pulling the going into Cisco in the game. So. Well, that's good because I actually have the San Francisco 49ers here, and I'm not going to spend as much time as you just spent detailing as to why, because I think you have the show set to end at 11:30, and we still have three more picks to make. Um. <laughs> So hopefully, hopefully you don't have as much geniusness for the next three games as you just had for this one. Um, but yeah, cause that was like 10 minutes of geniusness. Holy cow. Um, how do you do it? I was, no, I was choking uh, for see. four of them. We, we, I know. You were trying not to die. We have road cousins. We have their outdoors on grass. The, the, everybody wants to point to the fact that Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't know what we're going to get from him. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has beaten the Seahawks, blew out the Packers, Beat the Saints. Jimmy Garoppolo has more signature wins in one season than Kirk Cousins has an entire career. Um, so I don't have a problem. This offense is so multiple. It is going to drive the Minnesota Vikings, who are going to be a step slower on grass than they would be in the Dome, where it's a much more natural feeling. It's very easy to go play in a Dome when you're a Dome team. Now they get to go outside. Things get to slow down a little bit. San Francisco is used to playing this style of football. They'll grind it out. Kirk Cousins, Road Cousins, I believe, will come back. He will be generous with the football. 
Um, I could see him making the big mistake. Uh, everybody was all oh, the pressure's all off of Kirk Cousins because he got that one win. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, that's great, but I believe that that doesn't really improve his record all that much. So I'm actually going to uh, – I've had this all along. I haven't had any inkling towards taking the Vikings at all this week. I'm going to take San Francisco. I am going to give the seven. Um, I'm going to go in my uh, X factor here with the, the the sort of unsung guy in this 49ers offense because they're one of the few teams that will actually line up and play some smash mouth. I'm going with that fullback of theirs, Kyle Juszczyk, um, who – goes long stretches where you don't see him. And then all of a sudden there he is and he's ripping, uh, he's running a touchdown in or he's catching a 49 yard pass or he's doing something. And this is a team that can set up and just play some old school football, especially down in the goal area. And maybe he'll clear the path into the end zone for one of these running backs, one of these multiple running backs, they have multiples everywhere on the field. And I think uh, with two weeks to prepare, Kyle Shanahan's going to have some, have a little something, something for the Minnesota Vikings. He probably will. I, I, I like Kyle Juszczyk a lot. My X Factor is Eric Kendricks, the Vikings linebacker. Um, I hope they don't use him in man-to-man coverage on Kittle because uh, he can get burned pretty badly. But, he, man, he hustles everywhere else on the field. He just makes plays. Uh, he was focused on two in linebacker season. He's great. But he he had 70 solo tackles and 12 passes defense, which is really getting around the field when you think about that. Yeah. Uh, so I like Eric Kendricks to make some impact plays. So right off the bat, we are head-to-head. On to the Saturday night game. Uh, Titans, Ravens, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee with the win week of uh, Four, uh, six and three on the road uh, on the season, and the Ravens at fourteen and two, seven and one at home. Best team in football. MVP Lamar Jackson. Titans are a ten-point dog on the road at the Ravens. And right off the bat, I'll tell you on this one, all my machinations, and I came up with Baltimore by ten, so I had to make a choice on this one. Well, obviously, I'm not going to feel very confident either way uh, on this pick. Uh, but let's see how I got to that pick. Tennessee uh, did not have to throw it all last week to beat New England, but this should be different uh, with the way the Ravens score. The Titans should have to use Ryan Tannehill in this one. Um, it's sick how solid the, the Ravens' protection has been all year for Lamar Jackson. He's going to be out to avenge last year's playoff game, of course. Uh, the Ravens and coverage, A.J. Brown, throwing it up. Stick with man-to-man and hope that he doesn't destroy them. Uh, but it'll be a well-rested Baltimore front that needs to square up to slow down Derrick Henry. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, this is really sort of might be the Hill was the best back in the last year against the Blitz. That's one of those metrics that you could The Blitz, he was, he was the best numbers-wise. That's an ungodly blitz rate that the Baltimore Ravens and, and their leader Winkle sin at every 54.9% blitz rate by the Ravens. 54.9%. Well, there was one other team in the league that was somewhere in the 40s. Every other team was lower than that in the 30s or, or lower. 50, more than half, way more than half, 
of every drop back against the Ravens, they sent somebody extra. Um, and, and Tanny being the guy that's actually the best against the Blitz, that's sort of that's it. That's the matchup to watch, really. If he can't perform uh, against those many blitzes, then the Titans have no chance. And if he does, then the Titans have a a great chance. Uh, Tennessee, the mistake we made last week, they're not the typical wild card team because they're a totally different squad than the opening day unit, thanks to Brian Tannehill. If you think about it, if, you, if they started him at the beginning of the season and get another win or two, that they could be AFC South champs. They could have gotten a, a bye if they got a, a few more wins. Uh, they could have been a totally different team. The typical wild team, and we think about it's over. And we got we we there, but this is going to be three carries against Houston, four carries against New England. Yeah, young and strong, but man, what you know? What what's what's the limit? How much is too much? And now he's got to go against a hyped, fresh Baltimore defense. Uh, I, I I got a feeling that the Ravens are going to be hyped up for that. Um, and I, I think they're going to make the, the stops that they need to make at least uh, early on. The, the, Henry might grind them down in the second half, but I think early on they're going to be up to the challenge. Greg Roman's offense for the Ravens is going to be uh, unstoppable. Uh, they, they're so crisp. They're creative. They're opportunistic. They've been completely revamped and put into Lamar Jackson's uh, pocket. At, everything is built for him to run it the way uh, the, as best that he can. Uh, so very, very slightly, I'm going to lean on the side of the Ravens in this one. Um, doesn't matter what the score was because it's by 10, but I had them 32-22, so since I'm picking them, I guess I'll have to make that 33. Well, there you go. It's funny because I had this as a 33-16 to game, so I'm absolutely going to be on Baltimore. I don't have this 33-16 Tennessee, so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the <laughs> Ravens. I boiled this whole game down to you'll know this game has a chance for Tennessee if if this set of events happens. Tennessee needs to win the toss, or Baltimore needs to win the toss and defer, which I believe they would do. If Tennessee can get that opening kickoff, they can go down, they can get seven, and they can get up. Maybe they have a chance that they can grind this thing out. They go on an eight-minute drive, and they punish the Ravens. However, I think the more likely outcome is they get the ball, they go three and out, and then it's it's on. And Baltimore just goes and they completely run them out of the building. And Tennessee is now forced to throw. They have to abandon Derrick Henry, who's who's obviously his utilization is greatly diminished if they're behind, because now they're going to be forced to throw. I think it's going to force them into mistakes, which leads me to my X factor for Baltimore. And nothing says X factor more than the ultimate all or nothing player. I'm going to go with Marcus Peters, who is the ultimate all or nothing (laughs) player in that Raven secondary. He's either going to get burned for a 70-yard touchdown or he's taking it back to the house. Indeed. He's fun to watch, though, I tell you. you yeah. You never know what he's, he's going to do. He's the best fun bad corner. He's the Jameis Winston <laughs> of cornerbacks. Uh, stay in defensive back. Patriot, done. He got the pick six. Logan Ryan the cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. I'm not picking him uh, to get another pick six. I'm picking him because uh, he's more, more importantly, I think in this game, 
he's their guy that they love to send on blitzes. And I think if he can get back there to Lamar Jackson, he can affect the game. Uh, eight and a half sacks the last two years for Logan Ryan. For a cornerback, that's a that's an insane number. That's four and a half sacks this year, four last year. Uh, if he gets back there and gets in Lamar Jackson's face and causes a key fumble or something like that, that could change the entire game. So I think Logan Ryan on yep. the corner blitz has the has the ability to to make a big big difference. Or my ultimate fear is that Lamar Jackson is a safety risk and uh, he gets Carson Wentz in this game and mm. we have to watch RG three try to guide this thing. Uh, hey, that might not be too bad based on that Week Seventeen outing, right? Yeah, but we have nothing to play for, and you still win. Yeah. I I definitely lost that pick. I remember that. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, that's the Texans and the Chiefs. The uh, Deshaun versus Patrick is a matchup of highly athletic, young, exciting quarterbacks. How's this one going to be for you as a Bears fan? Just wondering. You know, Brian Pace, I have to – it is the game of quarterback passed on in order to move up in a draft so he can take <laughs> Mitch Truth. This. Yeah. Did you like that thing I sent you this week about the, the little meme? <laughs> the, it, the, it the Trump is sent. Trump is sending Mitchell Trubisky to Iran to overthrow their leader. I thought that was great. <laughs> That's. I would expect something like that out of you. That was very uh, fitting of your taste uh, and your sense of humor. So, yes, I, I, I did like Hey, hey! The uh, Texans are now 11-6 and six after their miracle win last week. Uh, they're the only team that didn't have a road game last week that moved on. Uh, they were 5-3 and three on the road this year. 5-3 at home. So, maybe a little more of an even uh, than one might think. The Chiefs are 12-4, and four, though. Uh, but it's tied with Baltimore for the uh, biggest spread of the week. The Texans get 10 points on the road at the Chiefs. Uh, this is uh, a matchup of teams that played earlier this year. Uh, in week six, the Texans went into Kansas City and beat them 31-24. to Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes had just had his ankle rolled the previous week against the uh, Indianapolis Colts, so he wasn't anywhere near 100% in that game. He had it rolled again during the a dancing box all game uh, drop backs trying to take off. They clearly weren't trying to call any plays for him to uh, stand back there for too long. They're calling quick passes. Uh, Tyreek Hill mossed Justin Reed on the uh, opening touchdown. KC was up 17-3 to in the first quarter of that game, but some awful Kansas City run defense. They gave up a buck 92 on the ground to the Texans uh, to allow that comeback. Um, Carlos Hyde was actually uh, on mic loudly proclaiming they can't fucking stop us uh, in the midst of the comeback. Texans were still trailing at that point when he did that, but uh, he was right as it turned out because they didn't stop them. Uh, uh, Darren Fells and Jordan Akins had huge games, uh, 108 yards for the tight ends uh, in the air. Uh, Big comeback win for uh, when Andy off the box is, is a genius as we are. He, he's always had the magic touch. I wonder I, I, if he'd be too creative, if he called too many weird plays uh, for the Chiefs trying to prove a point. Uh, but it is a fact that Mahomes was hurt. He was not the Mahomes that we all know and love. 
Um, and there's a question of, you know, is he all the way back from that? He kind of hasn't played the same way all year as he did during his MVP season last year. Houston has a, a zone look on defense. They, uh, they, they leave lots of holes open for a smart offense to exploit, uh, and which is what the Chiefs were doing at the beginning of that game uh, in week six. But uh, again, the Texans were able to mount the comeback. Uh, big key is Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthews. Ball instincts have been a major boost for the Chiefs' pass defense. Uh, not good for Deshaun Watson's shaky decision-making, uh, so that's going to be uh, something to watch for. Watson wants the big play, and he will dance and wait and look for it, and, and sometimes he does way too much. Um, so that's always a worry when you're looking at the Texans, but uh, are the Chiefs still the Chiefs? Are they back to, to where they need to be? in order to make a Super Bowl run this year? That's the big question. Uh, this is going to be another very tough, tight pick for me. I have the Chiefs winning the game. I, I think that's a little too many, too many points. I think it's a little disrespectful to what the Texans are capable of. Um, I think I'll call it even the same manner, uh, that the, the Chiefs will have a big lead in the first half, and Deshaun Watson will sort of do his magic and, and mount the comeback and, and get Houston within uh, a, a possession and, and make that game seven or eight-point victory. So I will take the points. I will call it uh, Kansas City 27, Houston 19. Interestingly, I'm also here with you on this one. I have Houston and the points. Uh, I haven't I haven't wavered on this one all week either. Uh, I think people are looking – I think people are kind of poo-pooing the fact that Houston struggled with Buffalo. Let's not forget, I don't know what the statistics say, but Buffalo is a really, really damn good defense. And a lot of teams have struggled with that Buffalo defense, especially specifically that Buffalo secondary. I know Kansas City's defense has been better, but Houston's kind of got that magic. This is you, No team gets more up or more down to their competition in this league, we may agree, than the Houston Texans. They will, they, they'll show up completely. Like they'll beat the chiefs. They'll beat the Patriots. Uh, you know, they didn't beat Baltimore, but Hey, th- th- that's not the, they're not going to get up for every game, but they're there. A heck of you know, and then they'll go, right. And then they'll go and they'll lose to Denver, <laughs> you know, yeah. just because, because that's just how Houston is. They're very Jekyll and Hyde that way. So I, I, but I think in a situation like this, Deshaun Watson, who, doesn't have a problem putting that team on his back will will this team into being competitive and I think it'll be a much more competitive game um, than people are trying to let on I think yeah I'm with you 10 I think for this spot is way too much Um, I'm not going to look at the Houston's performance last week and hold that against them this week plus it's Andy Reid in the playoffs and it's the Chiefs in the playoffs with Andy Reid at head coach and no team has found a way to underwhelm or shit the bed or blow bigly. Come on, it you know this better than anybody. Indeed. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Houston. I'm not going to call the win here, but uh, I think Houston keeps this thing close. And who is your X factor in this one? Oh, I do need to have an X factor in this one. Let me uh, acquire my notes. Oh, this is why I told you that one of my X factors was pertinent because they couldn't play the game without it. Uh, it's a very generic X factor, but my X factor is the Titans. Uh, is it the, tech, the Titans? The Texans' offensive line, the entire offensive line of the Houston Texans. They need to keep Deshaun Watson clean. If he gets sacked six, eight, ten times, this is blowout country. I gotcha. Uh, my X factor is Damian Williams, the Kansas City running back, uh, had. 
124 yards and a couple touchdowns in week 17. Uh, Houston's got trouble up front stopping the run, and the Chiefs haven't had any consistent running all year, so they could use it. If Damian Williams wants to uh, put his foot forward early in the game and, and give the Chiefs some ground coverage, uh, that would help them build the lead. Uh, so I will have Damian Williams as an X factor. All right. Yeah, three minutes. Three all minutes for uh, Seahawks and, and Packers, which is fitting because I really didn't even have a have time to write up anything about the my pick in this one. So it's fitting. I don't have any time for it. Eleven and five, five after last week. The Packers, of course, thirteen and three up there in the frozen tundra. Seattle gets four and a half points uh, at Green Bay, and this one I'm going to. Uh, really call it all about Aaron Rodgers uh, because for a few weeks, he was as hot as any quarterback in the league. Uh, He's always got to be respected and feared. You know what he's bringing to the table. You know that, that he's, uh, he can look bad all game and flip the light switch and look good. Uh, But he just hasn't been consistent enough. Uh, They've forgotten about Aaron Jones in that offense at times uh, green Bay has this year. Um, Their defense can allow some, some some big run holes. The linebackers look asleep sometimes in coverage. Um, so it, I think it sets up perfectly for Seattle to come in. I definitely have wavered on this week. Uh, I've been win uh, pretty much the whole week. Uh, I've got uh, the Seahawks. Uh, I didn't even have time to get a score for this game. I've got the Seahawks. To win or just to cover? Yes. Oh, both. Okay. Uh, this is going to be great because we're going to end up only disagreeing on that first game. So our season cannot end this week. I have the Seahawks because I have this as a field goal game either direction. So obviously the mm. number I think is too large because I think this game is going to be three points or less. Just no matter who wins the game. Um, I think it's close. Aaron Rodgers has been way too inconsistent. Um, but they have won ugly, and they've won ugly a lot. Uh, my X factor is going to be recent acquisition waiver claim Tyler Irvin, who has become their sort of spark in their kick return and punt return game, and they've started to sprinkle him into the offense a little bit. So I'm going to go with Tyler Irvin, little-known guy up here in the frozen tundra. Very little, uh, very little known. Um, my X factors, it, the Packers need somebody to come through. It, it this might be your guy. It might, might, you never know. They need some receiver to come through. I'm going, I'm going to go with Geronimo Allison. What the hell? Why not? All right. Somebody needs to come through for the Packers. And now into our VIP after show. It felt like a regular season show, making the last pick in 90 seconds there. Yeah, yeah. one of us tends to to go on and on. I was watching the clock when you were making that first pick like this is, yeah, this is going to get tight. (laughs) It shouldn't have been that tight. I kind of had it timed out, but again, with that coughing jag, that really threw everything off for me. But, you know, the other good part of that is, is I only caught about 60% 60% of all your geniusness there because you were cutting in and out so bad there for a while, like entire sentences were getting dropped, but then you'd pick back up. So I'm like, okay, I kind of, kind of, kind of know where you're going with this. So. Plus the I don't know what that dependent on me, but yeah. So we still are stuck at seven points. We'll either be at 10, which does not mathematically eliminate me. It just makes it really hard for me. 
uh, or we'll be at four, which really would be interesting, um, unless that game pushes, which I guess because is there, is there a hook on that one? Do you have a hook on that, or is that seven? I do not. That is straight seven. So we could end up with a push and then stay at seven, which still would leave me with you having to lose two out of the last three picks. Um, but if it gets to four, that gets interesting. Yeah. yeah you'll you'll have some options four, in. Well, if it's four, I have the option of just punting championship Super weekend and just making you pick the Super Bowl, right? Um, <laughs> no pressure. Which, I'm, which, which could happen. And if, it's, if I lose that pick and the Vikings somehow compete, which I don't see happening, and the Vikings get that thing and you get me to 10 points, then you just have to lose out, which could also happen. It certainly. <laughs> it certainly could have. So you weren't tempted at all to change when you heard me have Baltimore and Houston and Seattle. You were solid on uh, all of those. No, yeah, I've had this all week. I mean, I've yeah. had, you know, I've had, I've had San Francisco. I have, I, that's probably the one I've been, if I had a lock of the week, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, Tennessee doesn't scare me in this matchup. They didn't scare me in last week's matchup, and maybe they should have. But I think what we look at they what they did was they they took advantage of a of a paper champion team, and they ran down their throats. And Ryan Tannehill didn't have to show up and do anything because you just knew you could you watch that game to a certain point. And you're like, my God, this Patriots offense just just can't do anything. This, this Baltimore team that's a different animal. Yes. So, and I was yeah, having my tennis team that's like, oh, well. Uh, yeah, the only way I see Tennessee creeping under the number here is if it's like some extreme garbage time. Some some type of scrambling situation in the fourth quarter and Baltimore gets lax and they give up like two fourth quarter touchdowns or something to get that down to like eight or nine. Um, but I know I, I, I can see this blowout territory as well. Uh, and Houston and Segeza City is probably the one I'm surprised that we agreed on the most. Um, kind of had a suspicion you'd be on the Chiefs, but here we are. You know, we're, we're both the gen- we're the geniuses after our one in three wild card weekend. Um, no, I picked KC uh, by eight, thinking the spread would probably yeah. be like seven. seven no, and, I, half, and the number like has, the, these numbers have kept moving. Mm. All the numbers have moved towards the favorite all week. Mm. So Baltimore, yeah, Kansas City were they were not ten until today. Oh, okay, so that's and, the sharp money now coming in on the on the on the better teams on the buy teams uh, after yeah. all is said and done. Yeah, I, I I understand that even though I'm picking against it in uh, in a lot of these cases in Houston and Seattle and uh, Minnesota, I'm definitely going against the uh, the the sharps there. But I can understand. Yeah, so and that Seattle Green Bay one just feels like a field. Like I said, it feels like a field goal game to me. I mean, you know, the Packers have they've not really played anybody this year. If you look at it, I mean, their 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 wins against winning teams. They had two wins against the Vikings, <laughs> but that's they that's just what they do. You know, it's Road Cousins and Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> And I believe their other uh, quality win was against the Chiefs when the Chiefs didn't have Mahomes. That was the right. Matt Moore Chiefs. Yeah. Otherwise, they're beating some bad teams. They're beating the Raiders and the Redskins and the Giants and the Lions, and they're struggling with these teams. So, 
Aaron Rodgers, you know, evoked the winning ugly. And I think if the Packers are going to win this game, they're going to win this game ugly. And somebody is lining up for a field goal to win or lose this game. Yeah, I can certainly see that. And I just don't like any team that played their best ball like in the first half of the season because the Packers haven't looked nearly as good in the second half as they as they did in the first. That 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 effort that's a very loose word I'm using there, effort. That that <laughs> offensive effort of the Packers in that first three quarters against the Lions, when you Ooh. had to win to lock up a bye, and that was what they put out on the field. You know, and maybe we're overlooking the fact and maybe maybe we're overlooking the fact, like I said in the recap for week 17 that the lions played the Packers straight up very hard all season. And maybe there's just personnel matchups, but there's something where Matt Patricia just had, Hey, these are the Packers. We got to beat these guys. And he coached them up for those two games, but the Packers struggled with a bad team way more than they should have. That was the team that's running David Blau out there. <laughs> um, yeah. They 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 struggled and they they got out to early leads and they clung to them for dear life late and uh, you know this is Matt Lafleur's first coaching effort so do we see the Packers get a lead and then just sort of pull a Buffalo Bills and wilt under the pressure and play calling gets conservative and you know here's Pete Carroll and I just get that weird image of Pete Carroll running off to the sideline woo you know <laughs> up in the air. Chomping on that gum. Yeah. Uh, um, the the numbers back up, the Packers uh, sort of falling down in the second half. As far as their pass production game, uh, it was a dramatic drop-off uh, in production. They uh, After their first eight games, they were eighth in the league in passing. They finished the year 17th. Um, and wow. after their first eight games, uh, Aaron Rodgers was averaging 8.2 yards per throw, and they ended the year averaging only seven. So that's – 1.2 yards per throw drop off in eight games. That's, that's a lot. That's a precipitous drop. Right. Yeah. And you know, and you've got that feeling now that they, uh, the Seahawks, they put all this tape out there with DK Metcalf and what he just criminally abused that Eagle secondary. And you forget that they still have some other guys. I mean, they're not going to really run the ball. I mean, Homer and the, the ghost of Marshawn Lynch and, Robert Turbin are probably not going to run for a whole lot of yards, even though that's the weakness in the Packers secondary. I'm just about that action, boss. Yeah. But if the Packers are rolling all this, now if they're worried about Metcalf, uh, you know, Russell, Russell Wilson's going to just find the open guy. He's going to find Tyler Lockett. He's going to find somebody. Russell Wilson is easily the more consistent quarterback in this game between him and the, and the Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. Right. I mean, and there was talk earlier in the season up until Lamar Jackson and the Ravens went on that 12-game win streak. There were people who were pushing for Russell Wilson as MVP. I don't think Aaron Rodgers got any MVP talk this year. But just slightly during that streak that he was on, he was in yeah, the conversation. That, yeah. yeah, you know what? The, <laughs> you know what? He was in the conversation. Aaron Rodgers is in the MVP. Just like Kirk Cousins. Oh. He was in the conversation just like Kirk Cousins was for that three-game stretch that he played okay. I was throwing that softball up for you. I knew you were going to crush him. Thank you. He's in the conversation. My favorite new, <laughs> my favorite new saying. He's in the conversation. 
Yeah, you, uh, you're you bringing up the notes that I had that I uh, condensed and didn't go into because we were running so short on time. Uh, I had that wrote down about, is the Green Bay secondary any better prepared to stop Seattle than the Eagles were? Because the Eagles yes. weren't prepared at all. No, the Packers, the Eagles secondary, though, is markedly worse uh, than the Packers secondary. That Packers defense is pretty good. I mean, you got Zadarius Smith, you got the Smiths, right? Um they can get after it. They, I mean, the, the worry is, though, if you get after Russell Wilson a little bit too well, then he breaks contain, he runs around. take off on your ass, yeah. And he takes off. But he doesn't take off for the 30-yard run. He takes off to, to do the, the rust bomb. That's what he takes off to do, which is very similar to what Deshaun Watson runs around and does, which is why these guys have viable NFL careers. They're not these break contain and just sprint till they get their heads ripped off like Cam Newton. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I we'll, we'll disagree on that one a little bit. I don't know if the area is that better. I know the Eagles had a lot of issues early in the year. I think they they had their guys out there for the most part. Uh, they just couldn't get the job done. And the Packers, they've they've shown a lot of flashes, a lot of young talent in that secondary. I, I do like them more better than their previous defenses the last few years. But they can still uh, make some mistakes out there. They're still young. They're still uh, you, you see, uh, uh, there was a game earlier this year that uh, they took one of those cornerbacks and, and just abused them uh, over and over again. Uh, was it was it the King or was it the other one? It's I, Kevin I can't King. Remember. No, it's Kevin yeah. King. If they're going to abuse anybody in that secondary, it's Kevin King. Yeah, Jair Alexander uh, generally is not the guy you see getting toasted. Uh, Tremont Williams is just old, but he's usually yeah, he's more the line He's the weak link, but he's usually lining up in the slot. And Seattle's depth at wide receiver, I don't think this is – they're not going to exploit Tremont Williams the way a team that can go three, four, five deep at wide out can. You wouldn't think so, but they're, I think they're smart enough. Uh, I think Brian I mean, Schottenheimer yeah. can move Tyler to the slot a few times and try to burn. I can see them trying that. But no, clearly the youngster uh, Kevin King, he's he's that he's a young corner, so he's very. You got usually those young corners kind of have that. They look amazing on one play, and then on the next play they're either getting toasted or they're grabbing a guy. Right. You know, they're getting a little handsy back there. So no, I get that. So that, that's what I'm watching for in that one. Uh, okay. Yeah, we wound up getting them getting them all in barely, uh, just in the nick of time. And only, uh, and only disagreeing on one game. Mm-hmm. It'll be even funnier next week when we barely get the two games in. When we have two games to break down. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> and next week will be a Friday show. Um, so I'll be out of yep. town over the weekend, so that'll be a Friday, and then uh, the week after that will be honors and dishonors. That's right. Very almost always that's, a sun, that's usually a Sunday show, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. And then Super Bowl. That's right. Crazy. Um, and then we're back into Kings and non sequitur. Yeah, we had somebody right when I was uh, starting to to make our picks. We had somebody trying to call in, but oh. the reason I the, the reason I didn't go to him was because I didn't recognize the the number, and I'm getting oh. skittish right now about anyone that's trying to call Uh-oh. in. I don't know where they from. Were they from Burkina Faso? 
I don't think so. It was, it was an American number. I just it, it wasn't one of our uh, the guys that I have uh, saved in the system. It wasn't Bryson. It wasn't Knives. So I was like, eh, nah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're gonna take a pass on that for for now. It's so maybe next week. Passed. Sorry guys. Yeah, maybe, maybe next week. Plus we were you know we were already starting to get strapped for time a little bit there. Right. Right. So. So I, uh, you know, unless you had anything else, I think we're about finished. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Another, another hour and 45 minutes with only four picks. Right. Well, it, it was fun to, to get into uh, what happened last week, even though we've lost all those games. It was, it was, it was, it was a fun weekend of football to watch just as a, as a fan. It was four tight games. Uh, that last one was, yeah. was kind of dull, uh, the, the Seahawks and the Eagles, but the other three were, were gangbusters. So uh, it, was, it was great entertainment, and I, I don't expect these games to be too much, you know, duller. I, I think these are these four games are yeah. uh, got the potential to be really great ones as well. Um, we didn't really have that, like we didn't really have a lot of refing shenanigans, you know. A little bit. It, it, we got the the what is a pass interference? What is the push? A little bit of that. Well, obviously, uh, if it's a one-handed push, <laughs> obviously, by an offensive player, obviously, uh-huh. it's not pass interference. That the the Wikipedia page of the NFL rulebook clearly, clearly states that if it's one-handed, it's okay. Yeah, uh, Chris Collinsworth told me. <laughs> and, and you had the. Jadavian Clowney hit on um, Carson Wentz was being discussed uh, sort of lightly yeah. all week. Was, should it, should that have been? But then that just came down right before the show that the they have officially announced that there will not even be a fine. So they clearly didn't have a problem with the hit. So they looked at that and they saw what you and I saw, which was they saw hey, a football guy who's yeah, it's a football play. Yep. It, was, it wasn't flagged, right? No. It wasn't flagged. No, no flag, I no. didn't see it as dirty. It's unfortunate that he got the sort of like the double head bump, you know, because he got the ding off the helmet, then he hits the turf face first. But know your know know what you're doing out there. Yeah, it was just it was the just Eagles were playing. not the Eagles weren't winning or losing that game off of that play, and that's the situation, you know, where Carson Wentz is uh, going like you know with a, we always make fun of the crazy center fielders in baseball, you know, these guys ruined. Aaron Rowan or Kevin Kiermeyer, any of these guys, or they'll, they'll they'll go and they'll sell their bodies out to make this amazing catch, but they're gonna get hurt. Lorenzo Cain, we've seen Lorenzo Cain do this like for his whole career. These guys, Adam like, Eaton. yeah, you know, is, yeah, is this one catch? Adam Eaton? Is this one <laughs> catch worth losing, you know, sixty games of your season for? Well, Carson Wentz lost, may have lost his team a playoff game. Because he had to get that, he had to dive head first to get that extra two yards. Well, good job there, Carson. He's a gamer. Come on. He's grindy. He's fiery. Yeah. Passionate. <laughs> uh, so that's, so yeah, he can that's get about the, he can the end of the Gruden. He can be the Gruden grinder. He gets the <laughs> Gruden grinder award for literally I grinding bet. his face on the turf. That might be tampering now. I don't think Gruden can give that out now that he's uh, in the league. Oh, there's no more Gruden. There's no more Gruden grinders. Nah, I, I don't think he can do that. Maybe he can do that in, on his team. He can be a Gruden grinder of the of the of the Los Angeles of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Oakland Los Angeles Raiders <laughs> of Las Vegas. I don't oh my god. Be Who the hell so knows? weird. 
Did you see? Did you see that new stadium? I was just about to, to ask you that. It's the, black. The dark, who the, the dark hell, Stadium. <laughs> who the hell builds a black building in Las in Vegas? In the desert. <laughs> in a desert. Oh. How how long? How long is it before people start dying of heat strokes <laughs> in the stadium? Or actually, next to the stadium. Like you will actually right. start like you'll, like you'll just be walking up to the front entrance of the stadium. And you don't have a long line to get in for, for whatever. Uh, checking the hand handbags and and checking your pockets. Don't have a long line outside that black stadium in the sun, because it's not going to go. You're going to be a lot of ambulances. Who, who's I, I, yes, I understand that the Raiders logo is black, but you could have gone with the silver too, because it's black and silver. You could have done a really nice looking silver stadium here too, but why would you do this jet black? sort of monstrosity and that's your design. Silver Stadium will look weird as hell too. It'll look like the, the bean in Chicago, but uh yeah, yeah. That's certain, yeah stainless steel. Be... Let's let's just hey let's put this in the desert and make the whole thing out of mirrors so that <laughs> so that everybody can literally just get cooked or blinded on their way into the stadium. Oh, they they're gonna get cooked anyway going into the big Hot black metal uh, oh stadium. Oh God! Only the Raiders. Only the Raiders could come up with something like that. Let's get. I don't think Sun Devil Stadium is black, is it? In fact, they built up one side of the stadium bigger than the other, so they could have some shade. That wasn't aware of that, but no, I don't know of any other black. I've never or, seen anything uh, the like University that. of Phoenix Stadium, which would have been the Pink Taco, which I think would have been way better. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. That's I think that's still universal. I don't even know what the hell the names of these, but the one that they play at in Phoenix, right? You know where the Cardinals play. That right. is not giant and black. <laughs> no, and no stadium is too. giant and black. Yes. No, so the, the, the Raiders, Raiders are going to be unique. They want to be unique yeah. in there, and they're going to be. Yeah. Do you know where you build a giant black stadium? Anchorage. That's where you build <laughs> a giant black stadium because you need to retain some heat, not Las Vegas. Um, when they open the first franchise in Antarctica, maybe they'll they'll come up with that. I don't even want to know what the air conditioning bill is going to be for the giant black stadium. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, Mark Davis can afford it, whatever it's going to be. So I guess they'll be fine. But yeah, oh, that, that's the strangest looking thing. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw a picture on the internet where somebody put the back of a toilet up with the picture of the stadium and said, okay, now it's complete because it looks like a giant <laughs> toilet. And it would probably match the level of football that you're going to be seeing yes. out there. But yeah, I, so you must've seen that this week too. Cause I saw a picture of that stadium and I was like, Oh, I got to remember to bring this up on the show. <laughs> Especially now that I'm going back through and it's like, you see on Facebook cause it was like replaying, you know, like on this date and it was a lot of our trip memories from being there. Yes. Yes, definitely. Looking back at the uh, the the Harris Casino and the pictures, yeah, the wheel and all four, of that. The four years ago, um, yep. so yeah, getting that getting that itch to go back, but man, that wiped me out. Well, we'll we'll be back this uh, this summer. The wife and her new uh, travel agent career. She's going to some convention in Vegas this uh, in August, so we'll be out there for that. Uh, oh, well, there you go. We we loved the weather when we went four years ago, being in January. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't know how you're about look the weather in August. I am not looking forward to Vegas in August. I, I'm very, uh, I'm very afraid already of that. I, I probably need to lose about a hundred pounds by August just to be able to, you, to get you right. Might just, there. You might just lose it there. I might, I might drag all this fat there and just sit there in the sun and, and let it cook Actually, off right there. What you need to do is go and sit right next to the new Raiders stadium. Oh, and let the heat just come off. And just, you know, yes, I, just like sweat it all off. No, I, I want to lose weight. I don't want to die. So no, I don't think I want. I don't want to melt. <laughs> Here lies Andre. He <laughs> melted into the crowd. We'll be walking up to that stadium. It'll be like they opened the Ark of the Covenant at the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And just, ah, and the faces just melt. Uh, bad. All right, this is you know there's going to be stories. How long is it before we get our first story about the heat stroke or something bad about that damn stadium being jet black and then that stadium has to be completely repainted? I, I Maybe there's some measure that they, they're they going to put forth and then it'll be a cooling black or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yes, maybe there's when some... I walk around, because you know, when we were all the cool kids, like when we were in high school, we're walking around all wearing black. <laughs> I'm walking around, I'm wearing black, and it's the middle of summer. Yeah, it was very cooling. No, I'm saying maybe there's some material that they're going to put on top of it to, to deflect oh, okay. that, all that heat or something. I don't know. I'm no all architect. Right. I have no idea. We'll find out. Well, that's kind of cool that you get to head back out there. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy 2020, actually, is uh, because the family trip to Cancun is a month before that. So oh. we get that, then we get back and immediately head out to to Vegas, and uh, so it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. Um, so you're gonna have to get I'm, back because we didn't really get a lot of this in 2019. So you're gonna have to get into your tell everybody <laughs> on the show why the trip sucked so bad, but then end every sentence with "but we really had a good time." Well, it won't be. A- Uh, the first time ever flying into a, a foreign country and, and how awful that's going to be. I'll get to talk about the resort and how bad it is. And then kids. Oh, so this around, isn't a cruise to Cancun. This is an actual that's right. flight. Okay. Yep, uh, the, the, the all-inclusive. Uh, so it's so gonna you can be... tell us all about the guys at the airport with the machine guns in Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, all of that. Uh I've heard a lot of things about flying into Mexico, uh, the the research that we've been doing, uh, looking at Mexico in general. Um, but yeah, it, it'll it'll be a, it'll be a thing certainly, and I'll have of course all the details. But but, we, but we'll have a great time, really. We will. You'll have it. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> I guess then uh, we'll talk next Friday, and uh, I wish you luck in three out of your four picks. <laughs> y'all 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 finished or y'all done? I, I, I think we're done here. Uh, yeah, Friday, January 17th, it's Eastern 10th Central. Our recap of the divisional round, the conference semifinals, getting ready for conference finals coming up next week. The season starting to wind down. I'm really looking forward to these four games. I really think they're going to all be really good football games this weekend. If any of them are really big blowouts, I'd, I'd actually be uh, surprised. So, yeah. Uh, and I wish you luck in three of the four as well. Right. <laughs> All right. He is. I am Drake. This has been 
in much less detail of the podcast. I, I once again apologize for my coughing jag and my connection issues, but uh, you, you do what you got to do. Uh, we will see you back here Friday, next Friday, January the 17th, talking about the conference semis and getting ready for the conference finals. And we will talk to you then. Enjoy your football this weekend. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.